Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access to areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca and your host. In today's episode, I'm chatting to founder and Chief Creative Officer of Rose Inc., Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. Hi, everyone. This episode has been years in the making, and I'm so excited for you to hear from the incredibly talented and entrepreneurial Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. When we met in LA, we had the most incredible day. I mean, Rosie sort of sauntered in, looking pretty flawless, but also barefaced. And then she kind of transformed with the help of her makeup artist into this like super, super, super model. And But she's like literally the most down-to-earth person, the most down-to-earth, hardworking entrepreneur and beauty founder. And it was just fascinating to talk to her. And if you roll back the years at 15 years old, Rosie traveled from her home in Devon to undertake work experience at London-based modeling agency Profile. And that's really where she got her first big break. She was 16 when she was working with Levi's and Teen Vogue. And really then she signed on to Victoria's Secret, becoming an angel in 2010. If that doesn't sound exciting enough, in this time, she then catapulted to supermodel status. She fronted campaigns and editorial for the likes of Burberry, Prada and British Vogue. She was a mainstay on magazine covers. After meeting director Michael Bay on the set of a Victoria's Secret commercial, Rosie was then plucked to star in Transformers Dark of the Moon and later returned to the screen in 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. But all roads led her to beauty and she started blogging and writing and creating this bit of a style destination, sharing all of her looks and her outfits, which really took off. And everybody was really quite wowed with her taste. The beauty piece, I think, came from there. And she talks a lot about that in our interview. Rose Inc. then evolved into the brand we feel very fortunate to stock on our shelves at Mecca, a brand that leverages sustainable and efficacious innovation and nearly two decades of experience in the supermodel makeup chair. Rosie's love for beauty, incredible attention to detail and honest desire for performance is evidence in the first minutes of our conversation and in her best-selling formulations. Let's roll. Welcome, thank Rosie. you. I know this to, has been a long time this coming. This has been a long time coming. Thank you for and waiting. We've flown across the world to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so worth it. It is. I always think it's better to do podcasts in person. Definitely. I do. It's like you can make real eye contact. Yeah. And I have people text me all the time when I'm on Zoom. They're like, eye contact, Rosie, eye contact. Because <laughs> you get so distracted. You, distracted don't, you forget people who can see you. Exactly. And so. so we have come here because we wanted to get under the skin of Rosie okay. with you, quite literally. And Amazing. we're in this most beautiful suite which we've just been filming in which is very much the sort of rose ink colours when you look around really the is. sort of soft pink curtains and the the sofa it feels very on brand actually you did a good job with we the did. scout so thank <laughs> you we did so of course we want to talk to you about rose ink yeah. and what a journey you've been on I yeah. mean if we take it right back to the beginning mm-hmm. you started your career off as mm-hmm. a teenager mm-hmm. as a model mm-hmm. and now you're a beauty mogul mm-hmm. running a, this incredible brand mm-hmm. Uh, what has that journey been like for you? And tell me a little bit about when you started off in the in the fashion and beauty mm-hmm. business back in your teen years. Yeah, it's 20 years that I've been working this year. Um, I sort of acknowledged that in May, only internally to myself yeah. and, and, and anyone, well, anyone that was in my private life that was listening. I was like, it's 20 years, 20 <laughs> years since I first came to London. I grew up in the countryside in England. We are just talking about it in Devon. And a really rural, rustic farm girl childhood lovely very outdoorsy very wholesome um a lot of time spent in nature but I always had this like earning to go to the city and then you know around the age of about 14 15 I became really into sort of obsessed with magazines Mm -hmm. my mother had sort of introduced me to them I would really spend some like uh, mother-daughter time with her looking at magazines and instead of my bedroom walls being adorned with like pop stars and cute cute boys they were covered with all these beautiful pages of magazines I was just obsessed with the like I'd pour myself over these magazines I'd ask my you know everybody for my birthday for a subscription to a magazine and I would run home off the school bus because I knew what date it was going to arrive so it was a much more kind of 
simple approach yeah. or access to the in industry. It was very red roped and I didn't have an auntie or an uncle that worked yeah. in the fashion industry. So I just was obsessed with what went into creating a beautiful image. Like I'd see these images in the magazines, the clothes, the hair, the makeup, and I knew nothing about it, did not understand mm. how it worked. And then when we were about 14, 15 at school... Did you I go had, to the clothes show or something? Well, I was desperate for my <laughs> mum to take me to the clothes show, but we didn't even have that kind of money. Yeah. And you just didn't think outside the box. You didn't There was really barely the, even the internet at that point. Yeah, so true. And, um, and just to confirm, the clothes yeah, show, for those that was don't huge. live in it was like the UK. That was my other kind of... Um, I'd watch the yeah. clothes show live, and then it was like... The fashion fashion TV fashion show, magazines. and then a fashion um, sort of festival, wasn't yeah. it? Where you'd see all these sort of shows, and yeah. everybody, all the model scouts would go, there yeah, and exactly. try and find the next yeah. the next big thing yeah so when I was about I think it was 15 at school everybody was told you know it's work experience term you've got to you know go and apply for a, a work experience internship for a week in whatever field that's interesting to you and you've got to come back write about it and share your experience and so I was like, I, I want to go to London. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I want to go to London. I want to work in fashion. I don't even understand what jobs are in fashion. I had no idea. So I got out the yellow pages. How <laughs> long ago it was. I love that. And basically looked up all the addresses of my favorite shops, which at the time were like Topshop, yeah. Marks and Spencer, and uh, Miss Selfridge, and New Look. And so I looked up all the headquarter addresses, wrote handwritten letters. Yeah. And within the sort of, uh, I must have sent off about 20 letters. And I sent one off to a modeling agency and various different sort of fashion headquarters, magazines. Um, you know, my favorite magazines back then were like Elle and Vogue and Glamour. And so I wrote all of those letters. And about a week later, I came home from school. And my mum said, oh, I've, I had a phone call today from somebody um, that would like to accept your, for you for a work placement. I said, oh, who was it? Who was it? She said, oh, it was the, it was the modelling agency. And I was like, oh, my gosh, amazing. <laughs> Cut to a few months later, I'm up in London, and I was just so excited because at that point, I didn't even know what an agency was. Yeah. I and knew that a model was someone doing, that was, yeah. you know, was photographed mm. wearing clothing, but I didn't understand the underbelly of yeah. the industry and how it worked. I thought I would be doing like, like on shoots yeah. oh. and watching yeah. what went into making these creative images. And of course, I turn up to this tiny, weeny little agency who clearly just needed a skivvy <laughs> for the week. <laughs> and I, I spent the week making teas and coffees and filling glasses of wine and emptying ashtrays and doing photocopying and answering the phone <laughs> and making teas and running to the like, Good old photo days shop. of ashtrays. And, you know, occasionally a glamorous model would walk through the doors and I just was floored by what I would yeah. see. And... Um, and I loved it. I just loved it. I loved feeling really productive, really busy. And the, the bookers at the agency were, were really fun. It was very abfab, you know, mm -hmm. smoking, chain smoking away. And the wine came out at Yeah, of course, on a trolley. And, um, and that was it. And then I went home. I finished my GCSEs, which are the, you know, the exams you do um, at the end of, I guess, high school. I'm not sure what um, they call that. Yeah, 16. 16. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, that summer, my friend and I decided we were going to go up to London to celebrate passing our exams. So we go up. I had an uncle at the time that lived in London. We stayed with him. And I, my mum said, listen, you've got to go back into that agency. And it, you've got to keep your contacts. If you want to work in fashion, it's not what you know, it's who yeah. you know. God knows where she got that from. <laughs> she must have picked it up in one of the fashion magazines we'd been reading <laughs> together. A it's a piece of shrewd advice. Exactly. And my mum was a stickler for manners, really like a big stickler for manners. And so she was always sort of pushed to say your thank yous and write thank you letters and all of those kind of things. She said, you must go back. You've got to go and see them. Anyway, I walk in and there was a new booker there and she said, I'm building out a new faces division. Would you be interested? I can't guarantee anything. There's a lot that we need to work on with you. <laughs> but would you be interested in, in doing some castings this week and seeing how it goes? Of course, I'm like, yes, I yeah. just want to get on a shoot. Dream. So I start going out on castings with literally four Polaroids in my book. And by the end of the week, they had secured me a 
test shoot, which as a young model basically meets, it allows you to start building your portfolio and you work with um, students from places like Central St. Martins who have just graduated or are graduating and they're building their portfolio. So it's like a, it's like a, a test, a test shoot. Yeah. That's exactly what they called it. I end up on this shoot and I just, I just, it was magical. It was the idea that you could work with clothing and makeup and beauty and photography and locations. That transformation as well. It was just so amazing. And I remember before I did my first shot watching a more experienced model working with the camera and just thinking, wow, this this can't be a job. (laughs) These jobs can't be real. And I came back and, and slowly, slowly but pretty consistently, I started to work. And then yeah. I was very lucky that I started to make money quite early on in my yeah. career that supported, I could support myself. So I started traveling almost within a few months and I was based in London. So there was a lot of trips to Paris and Milan. And then I came to the States for the first time at the age of about 17. So still so young. As a baby. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I have children now, and I just can't yeah. imagine like letting them f- no. through the nest on their own so young. Your, was your mum cool about that? She was T- super cool. Super cool. And so then after about a, after about a year, I remember kind of having a bit of a bit of a breakdown to her and saying, "I'm really finding having this double life really mm. challenging. Going off and doing a shoot, making yeah. money." and living in the model apartments and pounding the pavement and then coming home and going into school. And I'm really struggling at school because I'm away a lot. Yeah. And she said to me, listen, you know, we will support whatever you do um, if you want to stop modelling and finish Mm. school or if you want to go forward full-time. I love your mum. She sounds amazing. Yeah, she is... Supportive. She's supportive, yeah. really supportive. And she and then she turned to me and she said, but listen, you know, this seems to be going really well for you. And I really believe that you've got to strike while the iron is hot. I agree. And she said, so, and, you know, if you want to go back to school, you can go back to school any time, but an opportunity like this might not come round twice. And she's absolutely right. And that's, yeah. I've, that's stuck with me forever. So off I went and I lived with, I moved to New York at the 18. And, you know, my career's had many different lives, many ups and downs. I've seen the best and the worst of the industry. I worked, you know, on not great stuff for many, many years. I did a ton of catalogue, bridal (laughs) shoots. I flew around the world on my own in economy, you know, getting picked up at the airport by, you know, a random taxi driver in, you know, another faraway country. I was never scared. I didn't even think of it. It was a little lonely at times. And maybe disconcerting because it sort of separated me from... I guess friends or yeah. other teenagers and teenage life at that point was probably booming yeah. in Devon, yeah, right? Exactly. So you're missing out on all sorts of fun. Yeah, and I so I grew up quickly, um, but I ha- I had so much fun. I, I've always been, you know, I've always gravitated to working in a way where it doesn't feel like work, and yeah. I feel that I'm able to push myself or challenge myself but it's fun and of course photo shoots are I wouldn't I would never say it was it's hard work but it's it can be quite repetitive and long days and long days and, and just know. it can be boring yeah. you know you're they're long long days yeah. and you know you're flying around you're jet lagged you know most it's of the team are speaking another language and it and it was lonely and challenging in that sense yeah so that's where the sort of hard work came in was the sacrifices that you had to make, the yeah. dedication that you had to do. You were sort of on call. Yeah. You know, you'd get a call, right, you need to be in New York in 24 hours. You know, do you have your passport on you? Because someone's calling you need to be at the airport in the next, you know, three hours. So it was a, a very sort of stop-start life. Yeah. Which, again, was a little bit, like, unnerving, I suppose. Yeah. You were always sort of hanging. And Huge then you couldn't use well. your spare time to actually focus on doing something different or having a side hustle or whatever that might be um but yeah I've just that so that was it I mean I could go on and on and on but that was the sort of start you know I was um at that point probably when your career was taking off modeling I was working at Elle magazine oh no way and I was there for years so you were the person that never replied to me (laughs) (laughs) and welcomed me in for an internship I'm pretty sure we um we actually booked you for a lot of shoots I did and you were quite an Elle girl I was very much an Elle girl and um yeah so we it's fascinating I mean, that we can probably talk about that offline for hours, yeah. but like we were always talking about you in the office. So you were, you were sort of the hot ticket and you were amazing as a model, but then you moved into different phase of your career. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about that and how that sort of came together. 
I think I had um, around the age of 20, you know, it was always really clear and made very clear to me that modeling had this shelf life and that, you know, most girls were not working post 10 years. By the time you're in your mid to late 20s, they were done. And that was very much of that time. I mean, things have taken a huge shift now and we're seeing women working for for much more and there's so much more inclusivity Mm -hmm. and age diversity and things. So... Thank goodness that's come in my lifetime. <laughs> but back then it really was you, yeah. like kind of like an athlete. Yeah. And so I knew that I had to, to sort of pivot and, and, and I felt very much that, that modelling was a stepping stone to something else. Yeah. And I'd always loved clothing. I'd loved design. I'd, I'd spent a lot of time around designers and stylists. And you know who was really inspirational to me as a young model was Elle McPherson. Yeah. And she had this beautiful lingerie line that she had developed and designed. And I thought, you know what? I've been working for Victoria's Secret for all these years. Prior to that, I had been working with many, many lingerie um, brands. I was sort of considered a lingerie model. Yeah. Uh, And um, and then I I, I knew I wanted to start my own brand. And so I, I started working with Marks and Spencer around the age of 23. I think it was Mm -hmm. and I did a bit of research about their lingerie I knew that they were this massive national retailer in the UK I'd grown up with them my first I bought my my mum had bought me my first bra from there school uniform so I wanted to know like how you know how does their lingerie perform essentially and I did some research and found out they're the biggest retailer in the UK for lingerie so I was working with them on the women's wear side of things as as the face of the brand and I just thought you know what I'm just going to ask to take a meeting with whoever will take a meeting with me about this and I did and I said I'd like to partner with somebody that's your marketing brain kicking in yeah build out something yeah and they said okay let's you know we'll go away and think about it and they came back and said look we should start really small this you know Mm -hmm. in our experience collaborations don't really last that long and cut to it's been 11 years and it's grown and we went into many different categories started in lingerie we started in lingerie and then moved into athleisure uh, loungewear swimwear fragrance and beauty and I'm sure I'm forgetting another thing but when we did the beauty that for me was like oh I love this yeah I love the product development and I had so much experience from sitting in the hair and makeup chair yeah but also you were really defining your look which I I think is really different not consciously but but you you definitely like I think you not only was it sort of beauty looks but fashion looks but also lifestyle as well and creating a bit of a um, a vibe around your personal brand Mm. prior to Rose Inc and I think everybody was like oh my god she's putting some really good social posts up and I really want to copy that outfit and it was getting traction a lot of traction as well I mean that period when I first started with Marks and Spencer I think Instagram had just started yeah so it wasn't probably until you know Instagram really kicked into gear I think it probably was around 2016 2017 when you started to see like real you know the influencers gravitating from blogs into social media yeah and um you know and you start to share pieces of your of your life and you know, you're watching what gets engagement. And I just knew what my audience wanted from me was fashion, yeah. beauty, lifestyle, wellness, all of the things that I'm interested in yeah. and all of the things that I think people feel I represent. And so you just, again, start to think about, I always think when you're making a post, what's the takeaway for yeah. my audience from this? They want something they can take away. They want to know they can save that mirror selfie slides and they've got something to maybe give them some inspiration of how to dress or they want to watch a reel of me Mm. and they get a bit of uh, access to what's in my behind the scenes and day in the life or a makeup tip or... It's like a combination of all your passions really, isn't it? And the same with... You know, I'm I'm quite cautious about what I share in my, um, in terms of my personal life, but I know people want to see that stuff, and so it's uh, you know it's a balance. Yeah, but I, mean, I I actually have always liked social media because I, I think naturally people associate me as being very aloof. Do you think? Yes, and kind of maybe cold. I, just from I would, seeing I would, still I've never images. Seen that, but I imagine that's no, because not. you're a model, so you've I got think to so. you've got to put on a yeah. persona and a shoot. Right? I think so. so and it means I, you don't feel quite sort of real life. Well, I think I, you know, I was quite uncomfortable sharing a lot about my private life, yeah. and naturally, I'm not someone who's sort of, 
you know, in a picture, super smiley and engaging. I I feel a little bit awkward. I feel <laughs> awkward when I'm getting papped in my private life. And so there was this thing that, that she's, be intense, she's really aloof and she looks kind of cold. And so social media was a way of me maybe just kind of sharing a bit more and having more accessibility yeah. with my with my followers or well you nailed it <clears throat> so well done yeah, and that you. was and obviously it's interesting when you say you're like you get a bit camera shy because actually you went into acting as well didn't you yeah yeah and how did that go for you did you enjoy it was it no complete, I didn't enjoy you didn't? it no because you that was when you were based <laughs> in LA right <laughs> yeah I'd I'd actually um never thought about really acting and I think one of the one of the things that happens a lot when you're modeling and maybe you have a bit of a personality as you get told you should act you yeah. should act you're you're so you funny you're so you, you should, should act yeah. and so you know I got this opportunity to be in in a movie and I think it, when I was sort of 23 I just met Jason yeah and um I, it was coming off the heels of a, of a Victoria's Secret commercial where the director had, you know, taken a liking to to me, and and um, and I ended up getting the movie very quickly. It all happened overnight, and you know, I was like, well, why not? You know, I'm all about you know having experiences. <laughs> yeah. What have I got to lose? Um, a lot of confidence <laughs> was what I lost. Oh, you, but, did you? oh yeah, it was really, it oh. really, it was. I was very nervous about doing both projects, but I saw that they were both projects that were too good to pass up. I mean, both yeah. movies grossed over a billion dollars. Yeah, it's amazing. And both movies were household movies. Yeah. And, and you know, I feel very fortunate for the experience. I, f I feel it built me a lot of resilience. Yes. And, you know, life is full of moments you can't have it all but you've got to put of, yourself out there and put yourself in, yeah. out of your comfort zone at exactly times, right? yeah but I imagine yeah completely different side it's of a different side the world of and I think it was you know in the end it's actually really gratifying when you learn what you don't want to do yes, and definitely. I felt really fortunate having had the experience of working as an actress on a couple of movies because I think as a model, you you know, it's often sort of the next step. And yeah. I just feel, at least I had that experience. It exactly. wasn't for me. I feel really empowered to know that wasn't for me. It wasn't for me for all these reasons. I was in two very successful movies. I yeah. had, you know, with amazing budgets. And I mean, unbelievable, I really. I feel really fortunate, but I've, it wasn't. No one's cast me in a movie, yeah. so I think you should be really proud of yeah. yourself. It wasn't, it wasn't phenomenal. for me. I, I think by that point, I then really felt... I want to be a brand founder. I yes. want to have my own products. I love design. Yeah. I love marketing. I, I love the promotional side yeah. of the work. And I know I can have success with that. And that was around the age of, you know, I think by the time I'd finished filming Mad Max, I was about 25. Yeah. And um, still really and young. And what the movies have that was, focus. Yeah, right? they, the movies really put me in a position and put me on the map yeah. in a much more kind of global way and um, allowed me the opportunities that I did, wasn't having before. So yeah. suddenly a lot of magazine covers were coming my way, oh, a lot of endorsement huge. deals and all those things. So then from the age of about 25 to 30, I worked hardcore and it you know I had a, a ton of different partners mm -hmm. and I just had a lot of fun. It was, yeah. it was great, I was traveling all over. And it was one thing after the next, and it was you know a great well, period. It's, in my we life. were watching, going, "What this is? This is yeah. she's on a supersonic rocket here." And that took you to Rose Inc. And obviously, yeah. we talked a bit about your aesthetic, and you've really got a defined aesthetic. And you talk about it today when we when we filmed with you, just about having this um, real. You like to look natural, but you still like to look done you mm -hmm. have a really beautiful kind of um style aesthetic as well and and I think you started to capture that on your socials and what that I think did was probably build an opportunity around what a brand could be and tell us how that sort of um came about because rose ink is it's like you in a bottle and oh. it's um you talked about that earlier with the lip gloss is that mm. you know it is a product that is really epitomizes you mm -hmm. but how did you come to the sort of realization that actually you could could do it you could be a brand founder you could do it with credibility there were all these things that mattered to you when crafting this brand um and how did you feel when you first sold that initial product so I'll go back to a little bit like the very start of Rose Inc. And I around Jack, I was pregnant with Jack. 
so that would have been 2000, uh, sort of late 2016 through to 2017. And at that point, I knew I'm not going to be able to, once I have this baby, I am not going to be able mm-hmm. to travel all over the place. Yeah. And I had for several years prior to that thought about a content platform, a yeah. website, because that's where I was getting all of my kind of media from or my fashion mm-hmm. like references from. And I thought, I, I think my audience, it was sort of like bringing Instagram to life in a more kind of, yeah. broader, I guess, editorial yeah. way. And so I thought about that for a while and I never had the time to build it. I was literally on a plane every two weeks. I mean, literally every other week I'd be on a plane traveling all over the world. And when I got pregnant, obviously you can't model so much. <laughs> well, <laughs> You've got this growing belly and suddenly like, oh, I can't go on lingerie shoots anymore. So... I knew that that was the time. And so when I first yeah. got pregnant, I then started to figure out how was I going to build a content platform. And by the way, I have never had a clue of what I've actually wanted to do until I kind of got into when it. You start and it's doing very it. much about meeting the right people. Yeah. And um, that's true and, entrepreneurialism. And, and, and taking risks. And yeah. also, you know, kind of, you know, it's who you attract. And it was, yeah. you know, you just sort of figure things out on the fly very naively yeah. a lot of the time but that's the great but also way because that means it's sort of truly authentic well because you find yourself several years <laughs> later going oh my gosh I don't think I would have necessarily you know there's those days where you're like I don't think I would have, I would have done this had I known yeah, but, but that's that innocence and naivety yeah. is like what just you just say I'm yeah. going to just figure it out as I yeah. go so I started ideating and, and concepting what the, platf- what the platform was. And for one minute, it was going to be lifestyle, beauty, wellness, and fashion. And then I knew that I wanted to launch product from it. And in the end, I thought, I want to go hard on one thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to strip it back to one thing I'm really passionate about. Yeah. And that was beauty. Yeah. And so... It took about a year to pull that together, pull the website design together, bank enough content. Who did you do it with? It was it just I, you on your own. It was me and little team, um, a graphic designer, and um, and uh, a good friend of mine, Lily Berg, who I met, and um, we're still really great friends. And she's what we've worked together all this time. She's yeah, amazing. amazing. And um, and so I set about doing that, and then we launched that in 2018. And I think. My audience really were like, lo- loved it. Yeah. But I think a lot of peers and industry folk were like, why is she starting a blog? Like, I don't get, like, why yeah. she'd want to do a blog and why is she doing all this, like, content filming in her bathroom? <laughs> and I knew, I knew what it was for. I didn't know how to build a beauty brand or how I was going to do it. And yeah. there's many ways to skin a cat when it comes to building a, a beauty brand. But again, I felt that what I wanted to do was to build a community around beauty first yeah. and cement my authority. Because I also, you were seeing at that point kind of a lot of celebrity brands starting. Fenty had started and yeah. a few other ones. And it was clear to me that the, the success of those brands was the authenticity and what made them stand out and so I didn't quite know that I knew that my investors were going to be really important and they were going to share a vision and bring something that that made my products different and stand out on the market so anyway going back to the platform I, I wanted to cement my authority I wanted to build a community I wanted to connect with people and at the same time we were able to aggregate a ton of data that later then informed the product brilliant line. I remember though as well thinking gosh she's this like her tone of voice here and the actual styling and the aesthetic lends itself beautifully to like a brand yeah. or like Aww. a and I think so I think you did that really well and the fact that you were thinking in that way I think is super smart because you're right you've got to build the yeah. authenticity you've got to build the trust yeah. and for people to sit there and say do you know what actually that's that makes such sense yeah well I think we've seen so many brands pop up I mean the industry is completely saturated and every day there's another celebrity or influencer Mm. launching a line and some of them are really successful because they're authentic and some of them feel like another kind of money spinning thing and and, you know hats off to everybody like there's enough space for everybody I truly believe that but the ones that I believe get set apart are where there's an authenticity to them Definitely. and there is a true passion from the founder and they're engaged with, yeah. with the product and the brand and 
And what was important to you when creating the brand? So obviously you felt super strongly it's it's got to play into yeah. your brand identity yeah. and the things that you love. But what would be like the five five kind of key brand yeah. ingredients for you? I think for me the pillars of the brand were about the uh, the products being. Um, clinically proven mm -hmm. that was really important yeah. having beneficial ingredients woven into every product yeah. no matter if it's makeup mm -hmm. or skincare and ingredients that were sourced sustainably yeah having packaging that not only looks aesthetically pleasing but also in terms of sustainability was I guess as far as it can be pushed and as yeah. innovative as it can be at this stage um, the formulas being non-comedogenic because I have acne prone mm -hmm. skin and that was um just a really big realization to me when I switched all my products over to being non-comedogenic. Yeah. Did it have a huge impact? It's had a massive impact yeah. on my skin, yeah. Amazing. I highly recommend that to anybody yeah. who's got acne-prone skin. And then community. I knew that a yeah. great brand has community and within attracting a community, you have to have a brand that is attractive to that community. And sure. I knew my community and my woman, you know, my woman or my girl, and what she, you know, what she wants is very, she's very much me, yeah. you know, and um, and so it was like it's easy for me to build the brand from an aesthetic point of view because I'd had references all the time. I learned about myself in a very new way when I was building the content platform yeah. and I was essentially a frustrated <laughs> magazine editor <laughs> Sorry, and graphic we, designer. We never accepted you Yeah, I know. And honestly, I think now, you know, I think what people say to me all the time, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't modeling? And I think I would have probably become a magazine editor yeah. or worked within a magazine, styled, all of those Best things. Best job in the world. Like you really, you know, who you are is really, and, and the things that you love. Yeah really become what you do and that's where going back to what I said like earlier in the in the podcast was I just always wanted to work around things that brought me joy and yeah. I feel really fortunate for that I feel really yeah. fortunate well, for it Rose Inc brings us joy as well oh. because actually not only are the products gorgeous on a shelf they work yeah. they're incredible colours incredible formulations if you were to sort of describe like the collection to um, listeners here mm -hmm. who don't know the brand mm -hmm. how would you describe it and what comes first is it did the skincare come first or was it the colour how would you kind of describe the actual products so we decided really early on that I want well I wanted to create not only uh, color cosmetics but skincare mm -hmm. because the two of them go hand in hand for me your your the quality of your skin is the canvas to your makeup application yeah. and having acne prone skin the, my skincare products were really key to managing that and so I wanted to have both and they're like a marriage and it's sort of not seen as two separate mm. categories I suppose I see them as a as a blend and it's really clever to launch them together in that yeah. way because then you're not known for being a skin exactly. brand that does makeup or a makeup yeah. brand that does skin exactly. which gets complicated it does get complicated and I think ultimately I think always like your your customer probably gravitates to one or, or two of the thing, one or one or yeah. the other. But I think what's been amazing about Rose Inc is that the the love is mm -hmm. there for both skincare and um, the color cosmetics. Um, so so that was my decision really early on. And then if I had to sort of elevator pitch Rose Inc, <laughs> I would say you know the. The really special thing for me is that they're clean, clinically proven ingredients. They're non-comedogenic. Yeah. They're sustainably packaged as, as, as in, an, in the most innovative way that they can be at this stage. Um, and in terms of the application, the formulas are more creamy. Mm. They're more kind of hydrating. Every single formula has a um, has several key ingredients, beneficial ingredients yeah. to the skin. Um, the colors. I think, you know, I'm not known for being a bright green eyeshadow girl yeah. or like a luminous eyeliner girl. I want these colors to be really universal. I want them to work for everybody. When I look at women on a, you know, mostly day to day, they want great skin. They yeah. want they look a great little natural exactly. eye look, a good mascara, a beautiful lipstick. Yeah. You know, maybe every now good and blush. then she likes a big glam color yeah. moment. But on average, I think people look best to me when they're in I more agree. natural earthy tones more kind of blushy tones yeah. and enhancing their natural beauty and not trying to change things 
And so that's really kind of, I guess, the colour palette across the board. Yeah, it's is beautiful is colour just, palette. It's easy. It's multi-purpose. You can pick up a blush and use it mm. on your lips. You can take a lip product and dab it onto your eyes. Yeah, that's, I love I that love, multi-use yeah. as well. And I love cream products. Because I've had acne-prone skin, I felt that cream products always lifted mm. my complexion. They made it look really juicy and hydrated. And because I've had acne-prone skin, that's been the most, the biggest insecurity for me. So yeah. to have beautiful-looking, healthy skin is always what I'm trying to strive for. Yeah. And it's when I think people look their best. Definitely. And so, yeah, they're, they're skin-loving products um, that are going to keep keep your skin healthy and beautiful and resilient. And then... Um, we love it. That we are love really easy to wear. We love the brand. We natural. love the colours, the product, and we also love your brushes, your tools. I know the like, brushes have been this massive runaway success yeah. because when we were starting to create the products, you know, I was told, "Oh well, I don't think brushes and tools are going to sell." And da, 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 da. and I, I said, "Look, I don't want to apply these products with another brand's brush on camera. It's very strange to yeah. me. Let's just create a couple for this first launch." And um, and I in, I'm inherently a brush girl. Like, I like to apply my makeup with brushes. I think it's just from spending 20 years in the hair and makeup yeah. chair like and learning the techniques. Yeah. And I like, I like, I like that. And so every product we launch is designed with a, with a brush specifically mm-hmm. for it, which makes it really easy for the customer. But they've been this runaway success. They're like yeah, one of our top-selling products in the brand, which I don't think any of us anticipated. But even just your little sort of pots that you have them in and everything, it's so tied to your brand. I mm-hmm. think it's just really chic and super clever. If you go back to those days of sitting in the chair and having somebody sort of teach you how to apply mm-hmm. makeup, who were the people that really influenced you back in the day and also now I mean I don't think there will have been one makeup artist that I've worked with like in my 20 years and I must have worked with hundreds thousands and also all the best and all the worst I don't think there's a day that goes by Mm. where I don't pick up some kind of tip Tip. and what would your favorite I love watching the makeup application (laughs) happen Makeup artists either love me or they hate me. I usually always let them do what they want. Do you ask them lots of questions? But I ask a lot of questions. I'm picking things up. I'm asking them where this is from, who's this brand, why do you like it, what's the formula, I'm trying things out. And it's just just a ton of questions. So they either love me for it because they're like, (laughs) she's a true beauty girl. Or they're like, can you shut up? (laughs) Stop moving your mouth. Stop fiddling around with my product for your fingers and everything. But yeah, so I I think I'm always learning. And and tips and technique has changed so significantly over the last 20 years. You know, the way we applied makeup then. Formulations as well. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah. which of your rose ink products would you say is your favourite? Can you have a favourite child? Well, I definitely can't have a favourite child. <laughs> Although my son asks me all the time, who, Mummy, who do you love more, me or Bella? And I'm like, Jack, come on. Oh. You can't ask me that question. I'm like... I love you both. I yeah, I love you both, both equally. Exactly different. You both got different different <laughs> things. And he's like, Yeah, but who, who? mummy? And I get railed like every night in the bath about this question. I'm like, Oh my god. Uh, well, you're my firstborn. <laughs> you're my firstborn. And you're my only boy. And you're my only boy. But yeah. Bella is my only girl. <laughs> he just can't comprehend. I can't tell him how cute. But um, for my for the makeup, I think the one product everybody. Well, I'm, I can't do one. Let me do. Give, let me right, do a give couple. me top three. The one product that everybody should try is the tinted serum. It is yeah. an amazing formulation, and I think that a lot of people um, will rev- will do reviews on yeah. TikTok and or, or on um, YouTube. And I, one of the things I like to do in the middle of the night when I can't sleep is go on YouTube and watch people's reviews, which <laughs> might put me to sleep or then keep me up. <laughs> one way or the other I'm I'm either get really defensive or I'm like oh that was great she loves them too you know it's like but it's a really interesting way of seeing what people think of them definitely but this product's very unique because Mm -hmm. of its micro encapsulated technology and so people usually pump it out on their hand for the first time they're like oh my gosh what is this it looks really weird yeah and then when they start to experience the product and they understand how to use it correctly people just like shocked and, and the they skin fall benefits, in love with right? it it's yeah. like you've got the the beautiful covering on yeah. the tint yeah. but you've also got the skin benefits yeah. which we want so that one and then the blush yeah, i think that's, that's a lovely a entryway product into our brand like if you want to purchase something and you use that with the brush you can use it that's with the brush the you can use it with your fingers, fingers but yeah. 
that is a product because I think it's it's our second set number a second selling top selling skew, and I just think a blushes a cream blushes is almost like a lipstick mm-hmm. now. You know, it's just a really nice pick me up. And it comes in our gorgeous uh, refillable packaging and and our sort of um, iconic arch shape. So I think that's a really great one. And then our new lip cream. Yeah, it's beautiful. Our new lip cream is like probably my most proud formula. Yeah, it's stunning. You've got it on now. I've got it on now. And it's, I love like a sort of very rich, sexy kind of like matte lip. Mm. Um, but I love this one because it doesn't dry the lips out. It's very yeah. creamy and velvety, and it's just got like a lovely powdery texture to it. And it's in twelve like gorgeous, gorgeous, easy to wear yeah, shades. Beautiful. Um, and so I really, I really love that one too. Does your mom love that one as well? My mom loves <laughs> the bronzer. Oh, good. And she likes the um, uh, brightening serum as well. Um, All her girlfriends like that, so... Well, yeah. and I imagine you've got a whole list of NPD on its way. Yes. What What else would you like to go into for rose ink? Because obviously you've got the skin, you've got the colour. Is there anything that we can expect or that you can tell us about? But also, would you take it into more fashion accessories or lifestyle accessories? Uh, I know you've got a bit of that with yeah, your wash we, bags. We things. launched Body at the end of last year. I'm not sure if you guys have received that yet in Australia. So creating the candle and the body scrub and the body yeah. oil on the body lotion was was really fun because I do love the body category a lot yeah you know there's been talks of, of building it out into other categories but we're only we're not even two years I old know. yet That's and crazy. I do really want to focus on on what we have which yeah. is you know already a reasonable amount of um products and categories I think there's a world in which I would do something outside of beauty that encompasses the other parts of my kind of style and passion. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm looking for ways to do that, which you should stay tuned about, but it probably won't be under the beauty umbrella. I, I very much want I, to keep rose ink really tight. Yeah. I think when you start spreading yourself over loads of categories or, you know, and suddenly you're launching, you know, hair or you're launching all these different things. Like yeah. It, you get, it might lose its way. And dilution. so I want to be a little bit slower with that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe even slow down the cadence of her launches. I, yeah. I don't know. But I very much feel... I want every product that goes out into the world to be something I'm very proud of and yeah, something that I, I use right. myself and something that works and stands up on its own. It's like I want my products to be approach. really impressive to people. Mm-hmm. I want them to be surprised when they use them. I want them to re- rebuy things or you know suggest them to their girlfriends. It's like that that to me is when I know I have created yeah. something special is when people You want I to them to be iconic products yeah. that last for generations. Yeah. That becomes, you know, a real beauty classic yeah. brand that people will always think about and I think that's the right approach because mm-hmm. you'll you'll be launching slowly but then your customers are going to love it and they're going to come back and yeah. repeat by and then they introduce their friends to it and it has that lovely sort of um pebble effect mm. really where the, that sort of it's word of mouth mm. but it grows yeah properly in the right yeah. way word of mouth right. to me is the most I mean for me I think it's the number one way that I purchase yeah if I've seen my girlfriend, I have a couple of girlfriends yeah. who are way more stylish than me and I will buy whatever they're wearing if yeah. they let me. I'm like, so, they're like, Rosie, like, <laughs> you just saw me in that last week. Can you stop? <laughs> like, now you've blown it all up and it's, you know, the, the Zara Sold bodysuit, the one that I wore a few years ago that kind of everybody uh. went crazy for. My girlfriend introduced me oh, to that. Did yeah. she? So for me, that's the way I like to, to I purchase that. most, from a recommendation of a close friend. And I think that's the amazing thing about YouTube is now yeah. you can, you know, or And it's or, that ratings and reviews and like the shareability, yeah. but it's the real, it's the actual, when people love something and they talk about it, they want to talk about it mm. and they want to share it. I think that is magic. Yeah everything about rosing thank you for having um, me we are so so excited to be partnering with you and working so closely with you but also to be with you in the flesh in la today creating all this incredible content so thank you oh, thank you for having me I'm before really we um close off we're going to do a bit of a quick fire i love round. a quick fire um so hold on to your seat it's okay. gonna get it's gonna get exciting okay um, <laughs> <laughs> so rosie what time do you wake up and what is the first thing you do in the morning 
I you if I'm at home with the family and I'm not traveling for work, I wake up about 6:30. And um the first thing I do in the morning <laughs> um I I generally am really thirsty, so I have like a big bottle of water, a glug that, and then I'm with my daughter. You know, she's up at super around that time. <laughs> Jason brings her in bed. We put the news on. Aww. She has her bottle and the three of us just get oh, a bit a of time cuddle. together. Before then, my son rolls in. I bet she's in. missing you right now. I, you know, he says every morning she Aww. goes to get her up and she's she's going, Mama, Mama, Mama. pointing to the oh, bedroom. <laughs> I'm desperate to get home Yeah, now. that's hard. Yeah. That's like heartbreaking. <sighs> yeah. Um, what time do you go to bed and what is the last thing you do at night? So I always, tr- like, strive to have eight hours sleep. I, I count my hours every yeah. night. Oh, my God, I'm only going to have six hours. Or, oh, yeah, great. If I go to bed in half an hour, I'll get eight hours. <laughs> so I try to be with the lights off around 11 o'clock, 10, 10.30. 10.30 to 11.30 is usually the time. Yeah, that's but the But, you know, off. my evenings, when you're a mum, yeah. by the time you've got the kids oh. to bed, you're like, oh, well, it's eight o'clock. Yeah. I've got literally two no and time. a bit hours to, you know, to, to do, to pick up the rest of the emails I've got to do, yeah. to have a shower. You know, actually, I'd quite like to read a book <laughs> Watch a movie. Or watch a movie. Yeah. So my evenings um, uh, are short for myself, yeah. like all mums. And I think. also spend time with your partner as well. Yeah. You're like, oh, come on, there's there's two of us here. Yeah. So the last thing I do before I go to bed is give him a kiss usually, and we have a and we we watch an episode of We're on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, moment, good. Which I've done multiple times and finally persuaded him into watching it, and we just. We go to bed laughing, which yeah, is the which best is thing. The best it's thing. really is. It's yeah. really um. It's really lovely. I do watch Succession. I'm mm. um. I was in bed on my own last night watching that. That's pretty good. It's one. pretty good. Yeah. If you were a rose ink product, mm. what would you be and why? Um, the skin enhanced tinted serum. Yeah, I think that's your because it's yeah. very um. Mm, no nonsense. No nonsense. Which I think I kind of am. You're no nonsense. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Other than your rosing favourite, what is the beauty product you put on to lift your spirits and why? I've always said that bronzer brings me to life. Mm-hmm. Bronzer and a blush. I think if, you know, I really only could have... I saw that cup, earlier yeah. when Nikki it was doing your cheeks. It truly brings you to life. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, get to, you know, done my base and done my foundation and concealer and it's not until that... that bronzer and blush goes on that you're like yes and most of the time I don't wear any mascara mostly most days I don't have time yeah I just want my skin to look gorgeous and fresh and juicy and glowy yeah okay love that what fashion item is your current obsession oh well you can imagine I have quite a lot no I can't keep it all no I've got many wardrobes <laughs> you have yeah I mean that's the thing I've got stuff in like storage, storage. units yeah. that, like temperature controlled one here one yeah. in the UK I've got you know things dotted around different so Bella's gonna different have places. a great time as yeah. she's older <clears throat> I try and really edit I, I keep the significant things and yeah. from the designers that have real heritage mm-hmm. I resell some stuff I give a lot away it's yeah. good to be my girlfriend yeah brilliant well, it really is. Other than you're buying their clothes, <laughs> the clothes they've already got. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my my must-have thing at the moment, ooh, mm, that's kind of tr- that's a tricky one. I well, I'm, I'm wearing a beautiful Dolce Gabbana dress tonight. Okay, we need to see the pictures for of an that. event. You I'm actually you were that. at an event, was it the other day? And you had the most amazing dress on. What was that from? Was that Saint Laurent? No. Where was the event? Do you know? Um, it was your oh, the was Jason's. Oh, that was a Dolce Gabbana Dolce. dress. Yeah, yeah, that yes. was amazing. They're very kind to me, and and that was amazing. You draw me beautiful sketches, and yeah. Yeah, Thank I'm you sure you felt much. good. I did um, feel good. Good. After being in sweatpants for the whole week. I mean, you know when you have when you're a mum and it's yeah. like, I'm putting something nice on for a few weeks now. Like, yes, you know, it's quite nice to yeah, get all dolled up. It's nice up. to get dressed up. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, what food is your current obsession? Well. <laughs> I'm in LA at the moment. I've been here for a week and this is something that will surprise people. I, you know, when I come back here, I want to do all my favorite things, but I'm also here without the kids. I'm here without Jason. The house is mine. I order at 7am a bagel from Breakfast Bagels and it has egg, cheese and bacon in it (laughs) and hash browns. (laughs) 
and the coffee. And hash browns. Yeah. In, hold on. Not I'm a bagel. breakfast. Hash browns aren't in the bagel. No, they're on okay, the side. Okay, fine, fine. But I'm very much like a breakfast. Like, I love yeah. breakfast. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I eat like a teenage boy. It's yeah. Like, but you, you work know, out a lot, right? Hungry, yeah. Yeah, and so I, you can. Yeah, I'm not the girl that's pushing a sort okay. of salad around the plate. Love and, that. You know, I, I do. I, I do Carry salad. Carry on. Producer's a bit the same. She I gets like very hungry. She has. I like had a steak good and chips. Yeah. and yeah, I I like to eat. So that's what I mean. That's been my obsession. And also, when I get into something, I will do it for a while. Yeah. And I'll eat the same thing or listen to the same song. Yes, yeah, I'm it's the same. And then you ditch it. And then you ditch it, you're done. You never yeah. want to see it again. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm a bit the same. It's quite weird. Complete user. Um, what's, yeah, <laughs> what song is the soundtrack to your life right now? I am I'm a really big fan of an artist called Thames. Mm-hmm. And I discovered her probably earlier this year. And so her album, I would say around Christmas time, and I was kind of going through something in my personal life. And that album just was was really special it was very cleansing yeah it's, her, I just think she's super cool I think she's hot and stunning and her music is amazing yeah. it's just transportive and it's really great album to listen to when you just want to be in your own own head yeah. own vibe and it's it's lovely so I love that um, there's always a song going with the kids. Do you have that with your children? Oh like the song, yeah. every night we have a dance party around we six o'clock. Have, we have a lovely so something disco goes quite on frequently, and we're all dancing. Yours um, are quite little though, so tell me you're not into that awful stage that my son is, where he literally puts on that shark song. No, I won't. I've never let them do that. Yeah, I'm just like, just don't, no, don't, don't ever start. Don't, don't ever start. Oh, he does it. He controls he, it on his. Jack iPad. was into cr- that crazy frog song for a the while. Crazy like, frog song. No, no, no. I was like, I can't do this chat anymore. But I introduced them to music. So and then so yeah. lately he's been listening to um, Jump by Criss Cross and he oh, that's loves that one. Cool. He's having a it's his birthday later. Um, yeah, my Jack, morning. who's he's five, he's now yeah. got into the Chili Peppers. Yeah. So I feel like there's he's moving away from the yeah. Shark Song and the Crazy Frog, yeah. but it does still come in. Yeah. It does kind of yeah, get yeah. put I'm on in the middle of a dinner. Where that song went. We'll I have, don't we'll know where have it went. Over and suddenly <laughs> the music changes to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Oh. Uh, well, thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Have safe travels back to babies. Yes. And we can't wait to see what's next. Thank you. All the best to you. Thank Thanks you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. And I'm on the roll.